Hi guys, so welcome to this week's episode. This week's episode is with a company called Hunters of Colour. Now, I can't give these guys enough justice for what they're doing in this intro. I've thought about it and thought about it and thought about it, and I really, really can't. This company is a really, really interesting company who, who help people from any background, if they want to get into hunting, get into hunting. Now, this company's in America, um, but personally, I think there should be somebody in the UK doing the same thing. Basque used to, um, with their young shots, and that's sort of the closest thing we got to. But I know for a fact that if you used to scale the cities and the towns, you'd find more. And possibly we'd have less gun crime if some people had a bit more sense, a bit know what to do, and where to go. Who knows? But before we start in the episode, I just want to say um, a few words for this week's sponsors. Uh, so first of all, steady shooting. Sam has been great with me. We've got a few projects on the go, and Sam has to endure some phone calls from me going, "Oh, Sam, I'm thinking about doing this," or "Sam, I'm thinking about doing that." So if you want to go and do something different, or you're looking for a day shooting, go and tap him up. Mention my name. I'm sure he'll look after you. Secondly, is a company called V Tactical. V Tactical have looked after me with certain things. Again, I ring him up and go. Lads, I want, can you make? And uh, do you know what? They usually come through higher than expectations. So if you want something a little bit different for shooting, a bit for hunting, anything like that, then uh, go check them out on Instagram, that's V Tactical. And then, of course, there's the podcast itself. So my little podcast doesn't run like you guys, so I've got a little bit of merchandise. Send us a message, it's all on Instagram, check it out t shirts, gun slips, that sort of thing and uh, support the show. So I hope you enjoy the episode. I uh, wait for the comments. Kick off your boots and put down your hunting knife. It's time for the Outdoor Man Podcast with the man himself, Outdoor Man Dan. Join us for fun stories, useful how-tos, and insights into what being an outdoorsman means today and what it may mean in the future. From ethical hunting and conservation to new stories to tell around the fire. Let's get into today's show with your host, Outdoor Man Dan. Uh, so, my name is Jimmy Flat, and I am a founder of a nonprofit organization here in the United States called Hunters of Color. Uh, we started roughly, I think it's about 10 months now. Um, we started with the goal of bringing the demographics of the United States or the hunting demographics of the United States closer to that of the demographics um, of hunting and, and whatever. So um, as it stands, well, since 2016, there was a study that came out by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service that, that had the demographics of hunting at 97% white um, and then the other 3% were other races. Um, and in 2016, the census had the U.S. at, it was 67% white, and then the rest was um, other races. And so uh, there was a huge incongruency, and when I saw that study, uh, I immediately wanted to do something about it. Um, growing up, I always, out hunting, I always realized that I was only brown face out with the crowd. Um, and so, uh, in 2016, I realized that my observation was actually 
founded by and backed up by science. So uh, that's when I started mulling over ideas. At first, I wanted to uh, do some outreach to uh, urban youth and get kids out who who never had like the experience to be outside. Uh, but then it, it quickly grew into helping everybody out because I realized that it's not just youth that need it. It's pretty much everybody who was has been detached from their hunting heritage here in the United States. And it, it started off like, um, first I wanted to do a, a shirt company and then we rapidly found out that we needed to do more than just shirts and we needed to do a true outreach and become a nonprofit. And uh, we've rapidly grown since. Uh, we've partnered with, uh, I think we're up to eight state agencies that are helping us out right now across the nation. Um, and we're planning events in each one of those states. Um, we're located out of Oregon, so our most of our uh, programming is happening on the west coast of the United States, uh, Oregon, California, and Washington. Um, but we're quickly expanding. So we'll be in Colorado, New Mexico, uh, New York, and uh, Minnesota by the end of the year. World domination. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, so what's going on with the, when you, so when you go off and do these things, what's, what's the idea, what, you, what, you, what are you actually doing when you get there? So, so far as to come along. Yeah, so there's, there's two kind of events. We have um, kind of a field to fork programs where you come out and you basically go get the whole rundown. You get the safety in the beginning. Um, you go over ethics in like a kind of a classroom setting. Then you do your your field training, which is just knowing how to operate your weapon of choice. Um, so if it's let's say it's a, a shotgun event with uh, we're going pheasant hunting, um, we'll do uh, a safety briefing. We'll go over uh, some hunting ethics and just make sure everybody's on the same page. Um, and this, this can happen between, could happen in one day or it could happen over a series of like a, a long weekend. Um, and so we start off with safety and ethics. Then we go to, uh, then we'll go to, uh, live fire. So getting people on, on clays and, uh, making sure that they know how to operate a shotgun. And then from there, we'll go out into the field and hunt. Hopefully we'll have some success. And then from there, we'll show people how to process birds. And then usually the place that we go to is a place that's accessible for the public um, so that they can return there and try to replicate it. Um, then we also have uh, a more personal set, uh, program set up where it's like a mentorship program. And this program takes place, it's very slow to come to fruition, but it's, uh, it's it builds a, a better foundation and it builds up on itself. And so uh, we do start off with like the same kind of safety training. Uh, then we do um, group events where we'll go out and, and shoot and then we'll kind of pair people up and figure out who, who's starting to get along. Um, and then from there, we'll do um, bigger hunts. And then at that point, we ask them to figure out if they want to do hunts on their own with, with their mentors. Um, and then we kind of facilitate doing more events with the mentors and the mentees as we develop this program. And so um, we've done, in Oregon alone, we've done, I think, four different events uh, that are kind of on the mentorship side. 
but now we're, we're partnered with the state agency, so we'll be doing more field-to-fork type programs here in the coming year. Big response? Good, and, good, and a good response as well? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've had great feedback from the mentees. They're saying this is helping a bunch. Um, we wish we would have had this one-on-one kind of help when we first started getting interested into hunting. Uh, and I think we're really accelerating the learning curve and uh, kind of just forcing people to, to dive in head first and, and take a chance. And uh, I, feel, I feel like they're, they feel comfortable with a group that's dedicated for people of color. That's it. I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's a case of if you've not had it, like for me, it's been it's it's been a journey for me from from being born because um, in the UK, my dad's a gamekeeper. So shooting and, and everything that, it's just come with the territory. So I learned the gun safety and I got the smack behind the ear when I was little and I got the catapult took off me when I smacked the chicken running down the road, you know, and, and stuff like that. Where is if you're coming into it late or, well, later than that, you need that one-on-one gives you that sort of father-son, father-daughter or mother-son, mother-daughter bond and, and you, you then learn the technique and how to stalk or how to shoot or... This is what I would do if this happened, rather than blundering into it and having an accident yourself, or or not, or getting disheartened from not catching or getting your quarry. Yeah, um, I think it's, I think it's fabulous. Similar background where my father was a he was a marine. He was in the military, and while he was in the military, uh, he was a game warden on one of the military bases, and uh, he wasn't a hunter himself before this but he developed the skills as a game warden to be a hunter and growing up comes with territory, doesn't it? Yeah. Same thing where we grew up shooting, we grew up fishing and and tracking and, and doing all the things. And my foundation was built up since I was a little kid. And, uh, it wasn't until I started hunting on my own and trying to find my own community that, that I started to have these observations of, Oh, well, he's got everybody I hunt with is white. (laughs) Yeah. And, yeah, uh, I suppose it's a, bit, a big, uh, and it's a big observation that as well, isn't it? You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody so looks for ne- community. So what's next? So you've got, so you got some more. So you're growing. So you got more events this year. What else you got going on? What's for world domination? What is the? What is? How's how how are you going to achieve your world domination? Uh, well, so we'd like to see ourselves in all fifty states um, by the end of the fifth year. So we got another four years and two months. Yeah, uh, to get into all 50 states. Uh, we've had actually a lot of outreach from uh, state agencies. And right now we are, we're full-time. Well, Lydia, our executive director, is on this full-time. Uh, I work another full-time job just to keep, keep the bills paid. Yeah. And uh, hopefully once we start getting funding, we can put more man hours into this and and start bringing on more states and start doing programming in more of these states. And, uh, we've got, we've got, uh, class classroom curriculums that we're working on to teach, um, elementary school kids here in the United States. Um, yeah. so like the, the plan with that is to, um, really create hunting advocates and people who are educated on where meat comes from so that even if they don't decide to be hunters later on in life, that they're at least advocates and understand um, why we hunt and why hunting is necessary in some situations. And why hundred percent, hundred percent. If it, I've said this, and this is why I just started my podcast, was 
I don't care if you're for it or against it, at least know why we do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know the laws are a bit different from, from us to you and, and quarry numbers and, and all that, but I, I like to eat rabbit. I like to eat, you know, venison and, and wild venison tastes better than farm venison and mm-hmm. people just need to understand what the conservation behind it is as well and, and you know, it's, it's such a big thing and I really commend you on it because you, you've got an uphill battle. Yeah. A massive yeah. uphill battle. Yeah, the yeah. United States is is filled with anti-hunting sentiment, and uh, we we eat a we consume a ton of meat. Yeah, and, uh, and people are happy to eat that chicken that's reared in that shed. But as oh, soon yeah. you said I've oh, shot Bambi, you know it's it's like you like the world's going to end. And you're like there's no difference here apart from that deer has had a life, and that chicken knows piss all about life, and it's been pumped full of drugs. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it breaks me. It absolutely breaks me. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's an educator, and she's at now in, uh, at Yellowstone. And previously to that, she was teaching a class in Colorado. And one of the last questions she asked her, her class of sixth graders, and she had never done any hunting education in her class, what do you think the – or what would you like to see the future look like? And there was, I think, seven or eight different responses where the kids said, um, we don't want hunting and we want animals to be treated better. And so if somehow hunting and poor animal treatment got lumped together, even though she had not te- taught about it. And so that's when she approached us and was like, hey, we, we should work together to create this, this uh, curriculum so that we can kind of veer kids away from thinking that hunting is bad. Yeah. Um, and create advocates for hunting in the future. And it, it all comes down to a vote. Um, we want people voting for hunting rights. We don't want our hunting rights to be stripped. Um, so we create. I think some of your trouble over there, and it's only from a sort of over the sea sort of perspective, is, is your gun laws are so loose. Uh, is, yeah. is that, I think a lot of that would, if that was a bit tighter, that would probably give you. Um, it would probably make things a little bit more streamlined because you've got everyone with a gun doing this, that and the other. And, and, and it's never the good things that are put in the press. It's always, you know, Mr. Jones done this and then it's, it's slapped across the news where if it was, if you had a little bit more, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love your gun laws. I think they're great because it's so hard for us to get firearms in the UK. Um, yeah. but I think a little bit, I think a little bit, a few corners just tightened up. And your path would be so much more streamlined. It's unreal. I might yeah. be wrong. Um, that's only my. That's only what from what I've seen, heard, and and everything else. I mean, trust me, I don't want to see your gun laws get any tighter because I just think it's absolutely awesome that you can go to a shop and buy what the hell you like to a certain degree. Where we have to go, to the, we have to go to the police. We have to register what we want, what we want it for, how many bullets we're going to use, and it just gets oh, complicated. Yeah, we uh, we've taken a. Uh, organizational um, stand where we are uh, requiring hunter safety to be done and uh, there's some states in the United States that don't require you to to, to do anything in order to get a hunting license after you're 18 and that poses an issue for us because just knowing the the basics of make sure you don't walk around the field your your gun loaded and pointing the barrel at people Something simple as that. Like, if you yeah. don't have the formal training, 
then it's just something that you don't think about while you're out there. And so we're, we're mandating, we're mandating that, comes, that comes down again, though, to the, um, the one-on-one, you know, like if I tried to cross a fence with my gun loaded, I'd have got, I'd, I'd probably have the gun took off me and wrap around me, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it, that's where it comes to that one-on-one, that person, hang on a minute, you haven't done this, break the gun, take the car, and he's like, jump over the fence, you know, it's 10 seconds, isn't it? Out, yep. Over, back in, clonk, away you go. And, it, you're 100% right, the education is, is, is needed everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. It really is. And, uh, yeah, that one, I, love, I love the idea of the one-to-one. We should have yeah. more of that in the UK. Well, I was saying that when I was at college, we'd done a, um, I had to do a course to go, uh, I didn't have to, you didn't have to do it to go lamping, but it was one of them things where if some people had been, someone had shot his son when they are out shooting rabbits at night with a spotlight and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they, um, uh, the British Association of Shooting and Conservation put a course together for keepers to go and do, to make to say that you were competent in in doing it. But it's not the law, but I think it should be. I think it should be done. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree because you know, quarry not being seen, the wrong quarry being shot, and something, and 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 it's always that that ends up in the paper. Yep. You know, it's never the good job where two deer are stuck together, and three blokes go and cut the um, the wire or whatever is off the antlers so they can be free. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always, uh, oh, yeah, well, he shot something he shouldn't be shooting or something like that. And it's, it should be done. Yeah. It really, really should. So what are you, what, so what are you, do you, do you prefer to shoot with rifle, shotgun, bow? What is your... Uh, so, I mean, I, I do it all, but uh, I've really gravitated towards archery in the last, how old am I, 25, in the last uh, seven, seven or eight years. Uh, on my 18th birthday, so naive 18-year-old Jimmy wanted an AR-15 as an 18-year-old because I could get it at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as you do. Yeah, and so my mom, my mom was not about it at all, and was like, "You're not getting that." And so on my 18th birthday, they brought me down to a, an archery shop, and they gave me a it's like a $300 spending limit, which is nothing when it comes to archery. And so, <laughs> yeah. I walked out, walk out of the shop with the cheapest bow I could find, um, like full-length arrows that were completely too long for my drawing. Uh, and then um, a couple really crappy broadheads, uh, bad release, but it got me in the field. Yeah. And uh, it took me – I made a vow to my oh, – so the next day it was, it was turkey season opener. Uh, I went out and and I had a turkey at like ten yards, and I shot an arrow. The arrow just completely sailed over it, um, and then I got another one into like fifteen yards, and then it sailed completely over it again. And on the third shot, I had I was on my last broadhead. I had one at like twenty yards. Where I, that's where I had sighted in my bow at, and it completely sailed like another ten feet over its head. Like, okay, what am I doing wrong? My pin was right on the bird. And uh, I found out that you got to tune your bow. Um, you gotta, you gotta get your arrow set up, and you gotta figure out your. Uh, you gotta go through like the process of getting your bow going. It's not kind of like a off the shelf thing like a, a rifle or shotgun is. And so I made a vow to myself that I wouldn't pick up a shotgun or a rifle until I got my first kill with a bow. And it took me three years. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I had. I had so many opportunities, but it just, that learning curve was really hard and, and long for me because I had 
I had no mentors to teach me uh, the the art of archery. And uh, so three years down the line, I, I ended up getting my a couple turkeys. Um, once it once it clicked, it clicked. And then yeah. uh, I got a couple deer. Um, and I'm still on my my elk hunting journey. Um, I've right. had the last four years since I've been doing over the counter here in Oregon. Uh, I've had four elk within 25 yards, and have not been able to let an arrow fly just because there's either a branch in front of their vitals, um, <laughs> they wind me, or it's just too thick to see where they're at. So yeah, something always um, goes wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I've uh, I've got I've got a bow myself. Uh, we can't hunt with them in the UK. Oh man, um, uh, we can't even bow fish with them, uh, which is what I want to do. Oh man! Um, so I've got a bow come in, and I'm le- I'm still learning. I, I I've learned the hard way, same as you. Learned the hard way, um, and I've just got rid of that bow I had, and I'm I'm looking. I'm, I'm waiting for another one to come from the US at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've got about another three weeks to wait for it'll be here. It's, it's on it's on a twelve week waiting list. Oh wow! Um, but. But when I get it, it'll be then a case of I'll have to sort of go somewhere and, and learn, you know, the arrows and everything. Because the same as you, I just sort of picked up and went, yeah, this will do. You know, and there's arrows going everywhere, but apart from where I want them to go. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah. And, and I didn't realise it was such an art to that. But I want to get it right now because I've been invited to Alabama bow hunting, uh, bow fishing. Mm-hmm. So... I want to get it right when I go over there and then I can just pick the bow up and, and do, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm really into it. Um, that's not probably, it's probably just not my thing, but, um, I done a podcast with, uh, uh, Robbie from blood origins. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and he said, I said to him, I said this to him, I said, I'm not really sure it's my sort of thing. Really? He went, well, have you done it? I went, no, how do you know? You have a go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a fair point. Um, but I do like the art, you know, you've actually got to be, you've got to get them in, you've got to be quiet, you've got to be on the money, and I like the idea of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot that can go wrong, but I do like the art of that, and, and I can see where you're coming from. So so what's on the bucket list then? So you said you haven't got elk yet, what else? Uh, so elk, I'd like to do a, a trip up to British Columbia um, and get... Uh, either a, a moose or um, uh, a mountain goat up there. Can you uh, buy all them off the counter? I'm not sure about the regulations. I haven't really looked into it. That's kind of, I'm, I'm saving up for that hunt because that'll be a pretty penny. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I want to do, so part of going up to British Columbia, I've, I've seen these trips where they, they get dropped off on these, these lakes and then they take the streams back down to where they get picked up. And so I want to wrap through the territory and then, uh, have a backpack on my back. And if I see something up in the mountains, go trekking after it. Yeah. Again, proper jealous because it's so different over here. We've got so much game and quarry in the UK and it's all private as well. So if I want to go and shoot, you know, a stag, then I have just got to pay whatever or do some dodgy deal with someone to be able to go and, and, and shoot stag or whatever. Yeah. And, the idea of being able to go out and camp and, and hunt and, and do mm-hmm. appeals to me like 10,000 times more than just being able to go and pay. You know, we've got a thing out here called, up here called the McNabb where you can like, catch, catch a salmon, try and catch a salmon, shoot a, a grace, 
and a stag or a ptarmigan and a, and a stag, whatever, how it works. Anyway, three things in one day in 24 hours. And people don't do it and people fail at it, but it can be done. And that no. just proves really the amount of quarry that we've got in the UK. Yeah. And, and it's just, yeah, it's such a different world. You know, we, we're not, we're not, you know, it's not a million miles or miles away, you know, from, from us to you, but yet the concept and everything else is so different. And, uh, yeah, I really would like the fact that the, the, I'd like to be able to go and camp and hunt properly and, and do that really appeals to me. And it's, and it's more, it's more ethical. Well, I say it's more ethical. That'd be a lie because if we don't, if we don't stalk a deer here because we've got the numbers and we'd have big crop damage and actually on the estate where I'm sat down at the moment, they were talking about how much the red, de red deer are doing crop damage at the moment. So it needs to be done, <laughs> but. It's just not me, I suppose, is the, is the thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'd also like to – I've seen pictures of people hunting. Well, red stag I'd love to, to get, but I think I'll probably end up going to New Zealand for that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I've seen Otherwise, there's not much difference. Yeah. Uh, pretty much the same. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to also go to um, uh, England, and, and they, you guys have some rams there that are – that are incredibly big. Uh, I think they're maybe Marco Polo rams. Yeah, I, I haven't. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I haven't seen them, but I know what you mean. I think what, is it Wales are in round or maybe Scotland? I don't know. One or two. Yeah, or somewhere up there. Uh, I mean, it'd be awesome to to go there because um, I did my my DNA test, and part of my heritage is is from that area too, and so uh, got some Irish blood in me. Okay, we, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of Americans do. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, what else does DNA say? Where else are you from then? Uh, man, you look at my map; it's like all over the place. But uh, my my mom's family's from Venezuela, and my dad's family's from the Pacific Islands, um, just oh, off yeah. of the Philippines. And uh, so that you get like from my Venezuelan side, you get the Spanish influence and then the African influence and then the native, um, the native America, or I guess indigenous blood that was down there. So it's like Andean, uh, indigenous. And then my dad's side, it's basically Irish and, uh, the Philippines area. Okay. Um, so yeah, big mix. And yeah, uh, yeah. Hell of a mix. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, here in the United States, um, I mean, I'd love to go over to my grandpa's property in uh, South Carolina and get a whitetail there before he, before he is no longer with us. And um, he was kind of he always pushed me into getting in, into hunting because he uh, I forget what he did when he was younger, but he he would always hunt, and it was very important to him that his grandchildren knew how to be self self-reliant and be able to get meat on the table if they needed to. And is so, that something that's becoming more abundant in the U.S. as people want to become more self-sufficient? Is yeah. That, yeah. One of the, sort of gathered that sort of happening. You, know, you, you see things in the news or uh, meat eaters has got, you know, you watch a lot of meat eaters or listen to the podcast, you know, that's a lot of sort of things they talk about. You think, yeah, hang on a minute. I can see this, 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 this pattern turning up. Yeah. Um, I think it's, um, yeah. Yes, I said, yeah. Right. Yeah, most, uh, 
most Americans who are looking into hunting, they see it as a, an ethical way to procure meat and to some see it as a way to reconnect to their roots. Um, I mean, there's, there's a plethora of reasons why, uh, people want to get into it now, but, um, it's, it's amazing to see that people are reaching out and want to, want to get into it because, um, when we have a more diverse hunting basis, and we have more people voting on these issues. We'll have a more diverse uh, range of thoughts, and we'll have people coming from it at different angles. And uh, I think we'll be more effective at solving some of the issues that we have. Like, um, for instance, here in Oregon, we have uh, a mountain lion issue. Um, the mountain lions, it's like, I think we have, I don't want to put a number on it, but we have more mountain lions per square mile than it, I think it's like all the Western states combined. Really? Uh, just because we stopped letting people run hounds in like the, I think it was the late nineties. And since then the mountain lion population has skyrocketed. And then you see the decline in the elk and deer population. And so they're, they're directly related. And now we have wolves coming into the, the Eastern side of the state. And now you're seeing impacts on, on that end. And, so we have we have issues to tackle, and having a more diverse uh, basis voting on these, and having a word at the table is just going to make the hunting community better, and we'll solve issues. You've, you've got to stand up and shout, otherwise you end up in the situation we are in the UK. And mm -hmm. when the hunting ban came in with dogs, um, the fishing community went, "Well, it's not with us. We fish," and the mm -hmm. shooting percentage went, "Well, it's not really us. We shoot." And nobody, and then when it came in, like, well, this is what we want, this is what we want, and nobody actually stood together and went, well, hang on a minute, we, we're all one here. Mm -hmm. and, and, and now each sort of department in the countryside is now suffering in their own way because, because we weren't together. And, um, uh, and if, it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't happen over there, the same thing will happen, you know, ha happen the same as us, and it's, and you're pissing to win big time. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, I mean, we've, we're, we're trying to give a voice to communities that have been, I mean, systemically uh, removed from the, the scene for a long time. Um, the history of the United States starts off with the removal of indigenous people from their ancestral hunting land. So yeah. you, you go from there and you make it to 2021 and, and we have uh, a table uh, that's comprised of entirely white people. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we're just, we just want to, make it more inclusive for everybody. We want no one to think that there are barriers to entry that will prevent them from going out based on their ethnicity, their race, their yeah. uh, whatever. Which, which they, it shouldn't be. Yeah. You know, it really shouldn't be. Yeah. And, uh, Hunting is a, it's a human, it's a human thing. Yeah. And as long as you're human, I, I, I believe you have a seat at the table. You have a, a spot in my camp and, and there's a spot in the outdoor industry and in the community for you. So, uh, I mean, that's our, our main mission. So it's just to break down all barriers to entry, um, whatever they may be, and help people figure out how to get into hunting and, and reclaim their their ancestral hunting heritage or whatever they're, they're looking for, procure meat. Um, and I mean, it, it's, a, it's a very spiritual thing once you get into it and you are- yeah. And costly. Yeah, very costly. So yeah, we're we're breaking down uh, cost barriers by by working with different um, companies here in the United States. Um, we're like, for
First Light, for instance. We're we're on the verge of making a deal with First Light, uh, and we're going to be uh, figuring out a way to get all of our mentors and mentees outfitted and completely rigged up. And I love a mentor. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, that's we'd awesome. Love- if I get behind, if they get, you can get First Light behind you. You know, that's great. Uh huh. We'd love and to. They live, and they live for it, don't they? They live for the hunting. That is. Yeah, they're a great, great company. Um, yeah, I think the the 10-year goal, we haven't really looked that far into the future, but 10 years, we'd like to be in Mexico, Canada, and potentially other countries who have had some interest in our programming and, and our what we're doing because, I mean, like you said, the UK needs it. And, yeah, uh, 100%. You know, we've had. I'm sure. I'm sure there's people of color in the UK who who want to who want to get into it and probably are struggling because of their, you know, race, religion, whatever, you know, ethnicity, and 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 I'm and I'm sure that if if someone opened that door, they would they would be probably stampeded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we'd love to see we'd love to see some brown faces and tweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. There was. Uh, there's some god awful tweet out there. You can try it. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'll send uh, some like Rupert the Bear and all sorts. It, yeah. <laughs> Man, that's uh, yeah. that's something that's very uniquely British. That yeah. uh, that I, I one day I'd love to throw one on and and go for like a a pheasant hunt or. Um, well, see, a pheasant shoot out here is completely different to it to you because yours is all walked up, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So we, we do walked up days, but we do driven as well. So you can stand under them and they come over you instead. And, oh, wow. and, and it's funny where I come from, uh, where I come from, um, my dad, my dad works for the Royals. Um, and we had some Americans come over, uh, shooting. And I remember it, I wasn't very old. My good God, it was different. So they would be, we had, we had a sort of walk in the line and it was a case of, before they could even get the shotgun was up in the shoulder, there was like <laughs> straight off the hip, and it's like, oh my god! You know? oh, <laughs> everyone, on, everyone on the floor fearing for the lives. It was it was great. Um, they probably didn't take a hunter safety course. No, definitely not. Definitely not. They were they were they, they were there to get amongst it. And that's what they were there to do. Cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, if you uh, you definitely need to come to the UK. You have to let me know if you come over. I'll get you in some pheasants. Would love to. And you guys, you guys, you say you don't run dogs anymore? Or is that um, for like that's that's a very weird subject. So the, the, the simple way to, to describe it is you can use, in the UK, in the England, you can use two dogs to flush a mammal or, or birds to guns. Mm-hmm. Or you can use a pack, a pack to a bird of prey, I think. Yeah, there's not much else in between. And that's the way it, we've sort of, they're the sort of loopholes we've got. Um, and it's, it's hard. I mean, I used to, I, I worked for a foxhound pack for a little while and I used to fly the golden eagle for them. And the idea was the dogs come in, flush it out. I fly the bird and catch it. Theory works well. Principle, not so much. Um, I had some awesome fun. Some yeah. awesome, awesome fun. Um, but, it, it, but the, law, the, the laws make it hard. And they, even the police don't know the laws or understand it quite right. I mean, we've, I've been in trouble for doing things that I was doing legally. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute. No, 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 no. This is the law. Mm-hmm. And, I, and there's me and stood there telling the police officer what the law is. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so it, it's a bit a bit hard work is how I'd describe that. It's not illegal. It is illegal. It's all weird. Yeah, the, the regulations here are, are messed up, too, where you you can drive, I mean, an hour north of us is another state, and each state has their different nuanced laws, and um, it, it's up for people who travel around and, and are um, moving from state to state. One of the biggest barriers to them is just not understanding the new laws, and um, but that's a barrier for, I mean, everybody trying to understand them, because they change every year, and... Yeah. and um, that's why we we also believe that a mandated hunter safety course is great because usually if you do it within the state you're going to, they teach you the nuanced laws and they yeah they I mean, even, even what you hold you know because you've there's like laws for what you can kill what you can hold and mm-hmm. what you can travel with or whatever even that sounds to me like a bloody minefield mm-hmm. you, you, know, yeah. you can you could be lawful and end up in trouble without pure accident mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to be unlucky, I admit, but someone's going to be unlucky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the laws are they are there to for a reason. They're there to make sure that no one's uh, taking advantage of the system. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they're, they're kind of, they're hard to navigate and you got to figure out how to, how to do that. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, if you want to, to come and check out one of our events. We'd love to have you. Uh, oh man, I would, if I get over there, I mean, I've had, I've had, I've had the invite to Alabama. I've had an invite over to Texas with, with coyotes. Um, if I can get out there, I will definitely look you up. Yeah. I, I need, yeah. yeah. I'd love to see it. Um, the, and I think well, it's well worth it. Yeah. It would be, it'd be amazing. Especially if just as an experience, like I'm, I'm not going to be hunting at the vast majority of these, these events. Yeah. And it's just for me, it's it's seeing like the joy that comes out of people when they've been successful. Um, I did my I did my first mentored hunt. It wasn't in a, it wasn't really mentored. It was just one of my buddies from Montenegro uh, wanted to go hunting, and his whole family hunted in, in Montenegro, and and he had hadn't hunted in the last four years since he was at the university with me. And I was like, oh, I can take you out on a turkey hunt. And he's like a seven foot tall, big man, and and he turned. You can't hide seven foot, can you? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and he uh, he turned into a little baby, like like not a baby, but he just turned into a, a little kid, just full of joy when he got his first turkey. And yeah. at that moment, I was like, "Wow, this is almost better than getting my own turkey." And yeah, uh, I mean, I'm like that. I would rather take somebody to go shoot some rabbits and see their joy. Mm-hmm. I would do it myself. I've, I've got no. I say I've got no interest in, in shooting anymore. I have. It's a lie. My podcast has brought it all back out of me. But I want to do it because I want to go different places now and mm-hmm. see different things. Whereas you know, if you wanted to come and shoot, you know, a monk jack or you know Chinese water deer, I'd, I'd, I'd kill myself to get you that shooting and to, mm-hmm. to get you that stalk and to do it because to see that joy is hundred percent better than anything else. Oh yeah, it, it yeah, it just. It brings me back to when I was on my first hunts and experiencing my first success, and and yeah, so it it makes it all worth it. And um, the, I was going to say that if you come to the East Coast, the good thing about the East Coast is that 
we are inundated with white-tailed deer. Okay. Uh, there are more white-tailed deer now than there were when Columbus arrived. Really? So, yeah, they just, the, the urbanization, they started moving into these urban areas where they aren't hunted and they've just proliferated. And, and, uh, and so people, uh, there's like this new trend of hunters in the, on the East coast, getting these small little leases where it's like an acre or two track where there's a house in the middle and they have like a little strip around the house where they can hunt and they, they sit up in the trees. And when the deer come onto the properties, they, they're able to get them with archery equipment. And, now, uh, I heard something about this. Are, are they on the East coast? Are they, are they a bit more twitchy? Yes. Somewhere now, with, 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 I've been, I might have been like the Joe Rogan podcast or something I was listening to, and they were talking about going somewhere and stalking white towel, and like they're like superhuman, like literally just like off this planet, like sent you before you're there, and like oh, proper that's, twitchy. That's uh, that's the Axis deer. So that's um, okay. They they've got those in Texas, and then uh, they also have them in Hawaii. Okay. And that, that's also my bucket list. So uh, yeah. my my birthday this year, I'm I'm planning on going out. Uh, it's actually next year, so 2022. Um, hopefully, COVID will be resided at that point, and everybody will be back. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> uh, but hopefully, at that point, we can we can fly over to Hawaii, and I can get on a an Axis deer. But yeah, yeah I mean, they evolved with with tigers, so they're they're just really really proper twitchy. Keen, yeah, just keen to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I'm going to say thank you very much and then stop recording. So thank you so much for doing it, mate. Again, it's, it's much appreciated. Yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, I look forward to having you out one day. Yeah, definitely. That's coming. That's happening. Yeah. Cool. That's, that's... So that was um, Hunters of Colour. Just one episode. I mean, I loved it. I mean, I was recorded out in Scotland. And I was up in Scotland, outside in the sunshine. There was no better day for that. Um, if you think that I should look at doing something similar to what they're doing in the UK and you want to help or you're interested or anything like that, then uh, feel free to get in touch either through the comments on YouTube or my email. It's all out there. You can find it. Instagram, message me. I'll get back to you. Until next time, catch you later. You've been listening to the Outdoor Man Podcast. We're glad you're here. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Find us on Twitter at Podcast Outdoor. On Instagram, Outdoor underscore Man underscore Podcast. On Facebook, Outdoor Man Podcast. And you can even reach us by email, dan at outdoorman.uk. Let us know your outdoor questions. And be sure to tag us when you're outside living your best life. Until next time. Be the example.